Welcome to our special weekly podcast, SME SOS. Each week I'll be sharing this additional podcast taken from my weekly live interviews on Instagram with industry leaders and founders, all of whom share their insights and advice for businesses navigating this unprecedented time of uncertainty, but also opportunity. My usual podcast, Conversations of Inspiration, is still coming out every Monday where I share soulful founder stories or those who simply inspire me. But thanks to Dell, we are able to continue creating this unique podcast for the small business community at a time where we need all the advice we can get. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down where we're going you won't need to bring Welcome to this week's episode of our SME SOS special with authors Kate and Kathy talking all things dyslexia and the wonderful Thomasina Myers, OBE, co-founder of Oaxaca. As ever, if you want to watch the full interviews, do head over to my IGTV. All these three women are passionate campaigners for change in their sectors and they are true testament to the power we all have to lead change and make the world that little bit better in our own way. My first guest is Thomasina, MasterChef winner, author and co-founder of Mexican-inspired restaurant chain Oaxaca. As we know, the hospitality industry has been incredibly hard hit and very recently Thomasina announced the closure of some of her restaurants, which I can only imagine has been incredibly tough on her. A passionate campaigner for sustainability in our food chain, I greatly admire her. She always speaks with such passion and soul, a woman after my own heart, as you will hear here. Hi. How are you doing? Really well. Really well. I'm so happy you're here because I've been thinking of you continuously throughout this period of time. It's been a bit of a soul-searching experience, hasn't it? Hasn't it? Before we go more into what you've learned and how you're progressing, I do know though you've had to, you know, I've been thinking about your industry generally and again what's going to happen if 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 we keep, you know, spiraling, I suppose. But you've had to close some restaurants. I can only imagine how tough as a founder yeah. that was. Tell me about that process and how you got to those decisions and and how it's faring on you at the moment. It was so hard. I mean, I you know, my staff are used to me weeping because I, you know, I I'm I'm quite emotional as a person. Um but god when we had to tell the news, it was just so horrendous and basically a lot of it was looking at our rents because rents yeah. in this country, um particularly in capitals had got to such an unsustainable level. Crazy and I think level. and I think I think one thing that will come out of this is that there will be a whole restructuring of how rents are done because it's not just restaurants. You know, near me there are no toy shops open anymore. They've all been shut down. Yeah. The bicycle shops are being shut down. And I just feel high streets are really important. So I think it's really important that we try and nurture um community life wherever we are. What do you think has to happen in the future for hospitality for community you know is it about the business rates is it about the landlords you know what what's your view because i feel like we're going to talk a lot and i don't really know what the walking is yet well i think one thing that has to work is i've got to be a level playing field because companies like amazon pay yeah. so little taxes 
And it's just, and Amazon, you know, as far as I've read, what do they do for community? How do they look after their staff? You know, we've all read the stories yeah. of, about how they treat their staff. And I, I, I'm afraid, you know, every time we buy something there, we're endorsing that behaviour, we're endorsing how they treat people, and we're endorsing the shutting down of the high streets. And I know it's convenient, and I know it's brilliant, and it's cheap and all that. But I think, um, you know, like anything, we, we put our money where our mouths are with how we spend our money and i think we have huge you know we have huge power the consumer has so much power actually with how we spend our money and i think um I, you know i look for alternatives because i i really want to know that you know like blackwells is a great online bookstore so i i'm trying to use them and because i because i can't help feeling that the consumer has more power than we think but yes. then i also think the government's have to globally work out how the, the, the kind of multinational internet companies do pay more taxes because it can't just be left to the small independent retailers to do that because then they will all go under and then they, we will have no high streets and we'll regret that you know the old people have been in the in the news a lot about being suffering from this virus more than and how lonely they are and you know for them for, for all of us, for when we're in our old age, we want to be able to potter to the shops and buy from the independent guy who supports the local farmer, who's looking after the land and regenerating the soil and looking after biodiversity. You know, the, the, when you look at the local, that's when you're most seeing a care for the planet and a care for the community and care for each other. I totally agree. And I've got a few comments, Thomasina. Philly and friends community over convenience yes absolutely we can wait we can, we, wait, we can wait we can wait we need to retrain rewire um everyone is agreeing with everything that you're saying i've got a question how do you think we can support local restaurants and bars if we can't afford to go out for every meal um so i think so there are several things um supporting the people who work in the restaurant industry there's an amazing charity called hospitality action but also do you know what i think the other unsung heroes of 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 this time have been the farmers and i think people do not think about the farmers in the way that we think about our nurses and doctors the farmers grow the food that keep us alive it is really hard to grow food they they live on very very little money their incomes are really low. They've got a really high suicide rate. They have huge kind of um, amounts of loneliness in, in that kind of whole sector. And yet these people are tirelessly out in those fields, day in, day out, very little kind of holiday and rest, producing the food that keeps us alive. So I think if you, you know, of course we can't all go and eat in restaurants all the time, but we can buy more locally. We can go to our farmer's markets, which yep. aren't as expensive as everyone thinks. If you go and buy seasonal veg, and lots of them in season, it's a much cheaper way to eat. And, um, and, and I think that is such a great way to support, kind of, because, because your money will do so much good. And also support the environment, biodiversity, creatures, animals, you know, the world. So I think, for, for me, that is such an important thing. Tell me, what do you think, um, generally, small businesses can do? I mean, a lot of small businesses are having a great run at things at the moment. Yeah. But I do worry about the fickleness of people, humans. So yeah. when you think about your experience, is there anything that you think, oh, that is something that I've really learned during this period of time? Well, I think um, the one thing we have realised that it always rings true is you create values when you open any business. You create values to which you want to lead your business and run it to, to, to what you believe in. And you create those values and you talk to your staff about them and they become 
the kind of framework, the kind of the heart that, that governs everything you do and why you get up in the morning. Any small company, if, if you stick to those values and keep communicating them, you're governed. Every single difficult decision, you go back to your values and it guides you and it tells you how to respond and how to behave. So that's one really crucial thing that if you're small and nimble, you can keep doing and then communicating with your customers. You know, all through lockdown, yeah. we were cooking and talking to our customers. You're and brilliant. You're brilliant. Fun. But, you know, it's important because that differentiates you from, um, you know, yeah. we're, we're still independent. We're, we're the same owners as we've always been. So although we've got 19 restaurants, we are actually independent. We're not governed by kind of money men somewhere far off. And I think if you can, if you act small with a heart and follow your beliefs then that, that shines through and customers see that customers aren't stupid and i think um you know i'm very optimistic in the end that customers will want to kind of you know shop where they believe in that emotional connection you cannot buy it you can't fake a founder it's what's maybe going to shine through i've got a few more comments for you jb art prints by joanna at Boris Johnson UK, you need to listen to this interview and start, start acting on it now. Okay, team, tag Boris in. I doubt he's busy right now. And I just wanted to say, when you've um, gone through this, so for Holly & Co, we, you know, 48 hours we launched SME SOS. It's the worst thing that's happened to all of us, but it's the best thing that has happened to me, for my community, for us to connect. Would you say that this has been something that you felt as well? Yeah, no, I think it was such a period of introspection and, and, and trying to improve. And over lockdown, I definitely spent quite a lot of time reading books that really dug into, you know, what is the meaning of life? What, why are we continuing? How do we live the best lives we can? And, um, and I just started reading this book, which is um, by Glennon Doyle, which is called Untamed. But it is about trying to keep questioning trying to keep feeling living you know not being afraid of the pain living through the pain and getting out the other side and then coming together and and i think that coming together and helping you know the restaurant industry we fed so many you know nhs workers local communities um you know chefs and schools the charity that i'm a trustee of yes we you know we 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 produced 220,000 meals over lockdown for me that coming together was amazing but but as you say how do we keep hold of that you know um marcus um the footballer because i'm not into football he's done such a great job rashford on 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 talking about these children who can't afford to eat because someone there the festive edit i think said you know farmers markets aren't available to all you're absolutely right there are areas in cities all over this country where they've got absolutely no access to markets of fresh fruit and veg we need to change that. We need to get better food on everyone's plates, not just mm. the people who can afford it, but especially the people who can't afford it, who are the ones who are, you know, suffering from uh, diabetes more and diet-related mm. health issues, mm. which kills more people worldwide now, diet-related issues, than smoking or alcohol. So food is killing us worldwide, and that's what's so nuts. So we do have to do something about it, because isn't that crazy that in this 21st century, the food that we eat is killing us more than alcohol or cigarettes. I mean, I just, not. I actually can't believe that. And obviously, this is the issue, isn't it? Because, you know, it's once when I 
found out that the bread that we eat in our supermarkets are basically you it's a it's appalling to even call it bread because what it does to our insides when it's proving in our stomachs to um how our normal milk um that we all buy and how uh, milk what how the cows are treated and all of these sorts of things and yet we don't find out about it um is there any great sites that you know of that if people are interested in what we're talking about here that they can read up on food generally so there is an incredible podcast which i am addicted to and it's called farmerama and what a great um, name yeah it's a great name and you can find it on most of the podcast sites and it is it is absolutely riveting, especially what you said on bread. So they won two awards recently on a group of podcasts they called Cereal about the flowery mill, about how it's reared, how it, what it's sprayed with, you know, how it's kind of manufactured. And it is absolutely riveting. And I think it does change your perception because if you know all the, all the stories and all the secrets, you do start eating differently. And there are alternatives. And, and we need to fight for our liberty we cannot yeah. be, you know, told by huge multinationals who are only driven by profit what to eat and what's good for us. We we really do. And I was chatting to Guy um, from Riverford, and we in, and again, if anyone's listening here, conversation and inspiration, do listen to Guy's podcast because it was absolutely unbelievable about this. Um, I've just got a couple of more questions for you. Now, you found your passion, didn't you, in food? I'm not saying later on in life, but it wasn't your first career choice. No. And one of the things that I'm really so encouraging people to, you know, not only go for their dreams, but be not being held back by whatever stage that they're finding themselves at. What advice are you giving them for going for it? I think, you know, all of us have our own special kind of calling in life we've all got skills and and maybe lockdown has helped people nurture those skills and yeah. bring them out i think it's so tough to lose one's job but i think if you can just realize that life is a struggle for everyone getting up every day and working at you know whatever your interests are research them look into it are there gaps in the market what are people buying because i feel now more than ever, there are opportunities because people are yes. in their communities more. They are more switched on to different ideas. You know, social media, it's got its negatives, but it's a great way to re reach people at very little cost. This is a great time for budding, budding entrepreneurs. And often in recessions, it's, it's the best place and the time to start a business, as, as you probably know. So I think, um, I think there are great opportunities out there, but it's going to be tough. And having that faith and the belief in yourself You've just got to keep, you know, keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Thank you, Thomasina. You are literally everyone from the day you stepped on that stage, recorded that podcast, firmly in the Holly & Co family. You're just one of our most favourite human beings. And yeah, massive, massive love, love, love for you. I really do feel like Thomasina is part of the extended Holly & Co family. She always leaves me feeling so empowered and with such a buzz of energy. She's a leader with true emotion, heart and passion, a mix that's captivating. I loved her description of returning back to the values of your brand, act small with heart and follow your beliefs. It sounds so simple and yet it is the fundamental truth behind so many successful businesses. 
She's as passionate as me about supporting the independents and it is more important than ever that we do. So any way that you can, please do vote with your money. And as we approach Christmas, it's more vital than ever. So watch this space as I have some exciting announcements, as you would have thought, about just this coming to you soon. After many years mentoring small businesses and championing women founders, the imposter syndrome is something which comes up as a consistent reason as to why women are holding back from building their own businesses. Fueling this imposter syndrome is a fear of tech. And so together with Dell Technologies, we want to take those first steps in empowering women in business. So each week I'll be giving away an award-winning Dell XPS laptop and lots of other small business goodies to cheerlead you on your journey. This week's winner is Veze, founder of Philly and Friends. And she wrote... I launched Philly and Friends and wrote the book, Who Do I See in the Mirror, when I had my daughter in 2017. I searched for books with characters who looked like her, and I was alarmed by the lack of diversity in kids' books and toys. Therefore, it became my mission to ensure that my daughter, who is the muse of the main character, Philly, has books that feature children that look like her. I believe you have to be the change you want to see. If you can't find it, create it. For a bit of context about us, our debut picture book, Who Do I See in the Mirror, was featured in Hello magazine as one of the best 15 books on diversity. It was also featured on the BBC, Metro, The Strategist UK and The Huffington Post. Leading on from the success of the book, our community has requested additional products such as affirmation cards to accompany the book, a book and wall art for boys. The increased complexity of the projects has resulted in me needing to purchase the Adobe suite of tools. However, I'm unable to download them on my laptop because my hard drive storage is totally full. When I started this journey, I had no idea where it was going to lead me. I wrote a book and all I wanted was to help our little ones love themselves. I never imagined the impact it would have. In a year, we've achieved more than I ever dreamed. And I love receiving messages from parents about the impact of Philly and Friends and my book. I am so thrilled to announce, Vesse, that you are this week's winner. To follow Vesse and her business, you can find her at Philly and Friends on Instagram. To be in with a chance, all you have to do is email us in with your story on why winning would change your business's journey. We want creative and soulful tales of how you want to be empowered to take the next steps. You can email us at techinabox at holly.co or for all details on how to enter, head over to holly.co. Each week, I'll pick one winner and share their story right here on this very podcast. So I'm wishing you all the luck. It took me no time at all to decide who I would be revisiting this episode from the back catalogue. Because after speaking to Thomasina about organic food, it had to be Keith Abel. As a huge Abel and Cole fan, I was so excited to speak to Keith. I knew he would have so much to share with me. But what I wasn't prepared for was the howling laughter. A brilliant storyteller with a wicked sense of humour. And I know I'm biased, but you really must give it a 
listen. Here he is recounting the story and the realisation that sparked the growth of Abel and Cole as we know it today. So I sort of liked the idea of, you know, doing my own thing. I think that was clear quite early on. We were selling, as I say, truckfuls of potatoes and a farmer came along to me called Bernard Govier and he said, do you want to sell some organic potatoes? And I said, you know, all potatoes are organic. This is 1989, so it's not anyone's buzzword at this point. And he said, well, why don't you ask the farmer you're getting them from what chemicals he uses on them? So I used to regularly go down to this farm in Kent and I said, can you show me what chemicals you use? And he pulled back this door of this enormous shed and there were a lot of skull and crossbones around. And so I was quite fascinated by the fact that Bernard was able to grow without these chemicals. And then it just became a fabulous sales line because you go out, you see, we're still, I was still selling on the door and you say, do you want yeah. the ones with chemicals or without? Yeah. And you'd explain on the doorstep yeah. how organic farming worked. You know, one gets the fuel off petrochemicals on the top of it the other one gets it from the soil which do you want and funnily enough everyone asked for that and I'll never forget this is absolutely not a word of a lie on the first day I went out with that sales pitch we sold about 100 bags of organic spuds we got back at the end of the day we called them an OX organic 10 pound bag of potatoes in our little book Paul turned around to me and said by the way what price did you sell them for I said I didn't mention a price so the only question we were ever asked before is, how much are they? Yeah. And no one asked. They just said, oh, well, I'll try those. So yeah. that was then, the, that was that kind of, that chap in the bath, isn't it? It overflows and you go, God, oh, I'm on to something here. My next guests, Kate and Cathy, were brilliant fun and tackled a subject incredibly close to my heart, dyslexia. Authors of two books, The Illustrated Guide to Dyslexia and Its Amazing People, and most recently their latest book, The Bigger Picture Book of Amazing Dyslexics and Their Jobs They Do, which I'm lucky enough to be included in. Kate and Kathy want to empower children navigating their lives with dyslexia at whatever age. Their passion and drive to change the narrative is inspiring and their books genuinely are totally brilliant. So if you do have dyslexic children or teens in your life, please go and check them out. It's so lovely to see you both. And I know that this community is full of so many people who suffer from dyslexia and so many people who have, have children. Why did you think it was important that we needed these books? Well, okay, so um, we both have had jobs in, in the sort of creative industries, had kind of had our own journey to get to where we were. And then dyslexia only became an issue again when our children went to school. And then, you know, they were assessed for as being dyslexic. And so, we, you know, you buy all these books and the books are really heavy and texty and a bit depressing and a bit scary. So you think... Um, what does you know what does this word dyslexia mean you read the books and you're thinking oh I'm just reading about myself and half the people I know this isn't so bad so then you just have to um, so then you know with my daughter trying to read the word the um, you know in every sentence she couldn't get it but yet if I asked her to draw a picture of her friend she saw earlier she would do it in such incredible detail um, Kathy and I just said, oh, you know, we need, there, there, we, there's a gap in the market. We need yes. to do a book that is an illustrated guide. And I think um, we just wanted it to be a funny um, and abuseful book that was, that shined the positive side. 
it's just brilliant and the second book then my, you know as the kids have grown up they ne then needed um an idea to of what sort of job to go for so yeah. we just to show them so many positive examples of amazing dyslexics that were thriving in their industries very achievable careers as well as um famous ones like paul smith and eddie izzard and jamie oliver i've got tons of comments coming in so i'm going to read them out to you um early's cookies um normalized dyslexia with a coffee table book is brilliant <laughs> Uh, shaped by dyslexia. Um, dyslexics are good entrepreneurs. That's because of good communication skills and delegation skills. And I, I, I'd love to just get, take on from that comment, actually, from Shaped by Dyslexia. You know, what I found incredible is when I think about my podcast and I sit down with that entrepreneur and all, you know, so one out of every two will say, but of course I'm dyslexic. Yeah. And this is just this incredible thing, which is that we obviously have trained our brains and that must have worked up some muscles in terms of communication, like some, someone's commenting, in terms of creativity, in terms of delegation, in terms of maybe understanding our weaknesses. So yeah. we're able to build things because we're not too proud. So we can say we're weak here. So we're going to get someone strong in another place. What have you found through the research in this book? I call it a superpower, but what have other people called it? Um, well, um, Gil Gashoni, who is um, based in San Francisco, he's a wonderful um, creative branding genius. I mean, he calls it a hyperability. I mean, he, I mean, his, his, um, interview in the books just gorgeous he sort of talks about growing up on the streets you know and and just the struggles at school and 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 the and when he was kind of um they were going around the class to see when it was everyone's turn to read he'd worked out exactly when he needed to put his hand up to say i need to go to the toilet um <laughs> go to the loo and then he knew how long he had to be before it had kind of passed his turn you know his turn yeah. in the class to kind of read yeah i mean and he, he just speaks so beautifully about um about dyslexia and and you know really feels it's a hyper ability yeah you know and especially when you have to work very hard to keep up at school you're actually used to working five times harder and then find a career that you love um and surround yourself with people that you love you're gonna fly yeah i mean we've got people in the book because i think superpowers can translate to coping mechanisms as well mm. yeah. so we've got this really cool dude called lloyd everett who's uh who's an actor you know he struggled to learn his lines but he i mean his me his coping mechanism was to you know draw little illustrations and wow. and it's helped him and and now you know he's on He's been, you know, on TV. He's, you know, he's recently um, appeared in The Deceased on Channel 4, 5. De not The Deceased, yeah. The Deceived. <laughs> Dyslexia! <laughs> it was a D word. <laughs> this is my whole life I just spend saying to them, well, it, was, it began with C. It began yes, with C. Yes, I know. I mean, you know, what more do you want? Yeah. Then, well, don't you call them Hollyisms? Yeah. I do. I call them Hollyisms. And, and now they're known. You know, now I'm less afraid of them. And yeah. I think it's, you know, making friends with that feeling, isn't it? It's rather than now, I don't think I'm stupid and I don't, I'm not ashamed because actually I'd be, I'm surrounded by people that love me who have allowed me to be 
to be silly like that or feel silly for that moment. But now it's called a Hollyism. It's yeah. okay. And I think that's something important that we should all do, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I think we, you're absolutely right. We have to learn to embrace it as um, lovely Pip Jameson. I think you know her. Yes. After every email she writes, she signs off with signs. being dyslexic. And yeah. I'm thinking, that's such a positive thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Reading one of her emails, you go, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I want to sign my emails off yeah. like that. And that, and actually that's why we wrote the book as well. It's just to, to kind of try and give um, examples. We wrote it for our children. So these are positive examples of people that have been in your boat and they have found mm. jobs that they love and are doing incredibly well at. I've got so many more comments here. North Devon mum of four. Dyslexia runs in my family. Two of my boys have the superpower. It is difficult for them to realise this at some moments. Sometimes life is just tough for them. This new book is fab. I couldn't agree more. Um, handy spelling. I think dyslexic adults often realize it's a gift but children don't believe us when we say one day you'll be pleased that's why this book is so important the role models are fantastic isn't it wonderful and i think this is another thing what advice would you give so number one to buy your book both books for different stages of our kids but what have you um found that parents can benefit from any tips in when talking about dyslexia as I said sometimes you know when they're having trouble in the classroom this isn't like they don't feel it's a superpower right then you know it's actually bloody tough work I think yeah you you have to really fight for your children at school you have to get them the help and and early identification is key you know the, the sooner you find out if you you know there are lots of markers that um that can point you in the right direction you know even things like not crawling um lots of dyslexics don't crawl they go straight from bum shuffling to to walking um and then so if you you need to get the help and then um you know our kids have both been through this sort of state system um the help is there is there but you sometimes not enough so i mean yeah. if you if you can get extra support i mean that makes a big difference and also, but to try and um, encourage what they're good at, mm. you know, identify what your your kid's good at. If he's good at sports, yeah. he's good at sports or good at making stuff with clay or pottery or drawing or 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 performing. Yeah. You know, put your energies into that as well. Yeah. You know, yeah, they're, they're, identify what they're good at yeah. and then encourage that more equally as all the academic subjects because also there's things like you know um we always say oh, it's a shame that they don't do um gcses in things like empathy or being a good listener you know there's things that are such key skills that you need in the workplace yeah. but they're not you know they are the things that lots of um dyslexics are very good at and there's no recognition you know you no. just because you're you've been really kind to someone who'd hurt themselves in the playground you don't get a gold star to go on your chart you know yeah. whereas if you got all your spellings right you 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 might you do just, and when you need to you know everyone's different they just need to broaden 
the scope so that no child feels like they're failing. If and they when talk. you think about the future, you know, let's think about this. You know, we have got a future that is going to be involving technology. It's going to give us so many things that we used to have to learn and that we will not have to necessarily learn it. But we are going to be surrounded by automation, by algorithms, by these things. And for me, what I keep talking to people about is that this is the era to be human. This is the era where humanisms and us as humans and our faults uh, should be celebrated. And actually, this is exactly what you're saying and why the education system is something I'm fascinated by, daunted by, but fascinated by as to how we can get those entrepreneurial skills, such as, by the way, empathy. There is such a wake up call that needs to be shoved into our education system and yeah. us as parents have to you know my mum's always said you know find your peacock feather find the thing that they're good at and hold that up like yeah. a shiny sort of beacon for them at home you know everyone's got a peacock feather yeah totally and I think it's about understanding how your dyslexia affects you if you know why and what your issues are then you can find the coping strategies or even just to be able to explain um, to your teacher, you know, that yes. you're, not, you're not ignoring them, you're not acting out, you're not, you know, and, and just so that everybody knows where they are. Giving them their script, isn't yeah. it? So yeah. it could be that what one of the things as us parents listening now could help our children is, and our help ourselves is, straight away learn our script. Yeah. You know, I'm really good at this, miss, yeah. but... I yeah. just want to let you know I'm not so great at that and that. But if you want to get the best out of me, yeah. if you just showed me a picture or if you just did this, it would yeah. make more sense for me. And it's not it's almost empowering them with their own yeah. script, isn't it? Yeah. And helping them be confident with their with the sort of instruction manual to them. Do you think that it's something um, that's important is to be super self-aware and understand your own makeup of your own dyslexia so you can get your script ready? Yeah, I, I think it's it, I think it is important, especially now that kids get um, assessed early because growing up, I, you know, I just didn't feel good enough. I, I struggled to keep up with my peers in class. I was always taken out and going to special lessons. But what has been beneficial for me um, then, that when we were doing all these exercises, my coping mechanism started then when I tried to approach my work in a different way. Um, instead of, you know, concentrating on words and, and the content and making my spelling and my grammar correct, I would be looking at this piece of paper going, how am I going to make this beautiful? And mm -hmm. I think probably as I got into secondary school, you know, that skill developed, you know, I found myself in my art class doing really well. And I think obviously that catapulted me into a design career. Amazing. I've just, before we go, I've just got to read this. We've got Lisa Cherry Lips. Our dyslexic son says, toe thumb for his big toe oh, and tsunami knife instead of Swiss army knife. Oh. <laughs> oh. I just want a whole book. Yeah, of dyslexisms, holisms, you know. Yeah, can I just say something? I'm one of your followers. I think it's Miss Meanie. Yeah, wrote something really beautiful this morning. She said um, she was commenting uh, about dyslexia, and uh, she, when she reads the word impossible, 
she reads it as it, I am possible. And I thought that That's was lovely, so yeah. beautiful. I, mean, I, I think we've got your third book coming out here, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I just love that. You could collect everyone's dyslexiasms yeah. and yeah. we could have the most fun. Thank you both so, so much. Oh, thank you, Polly. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. Impossible. Being read as I am possible. I mean, is there a better way to so succinctly describe dyslexia? I love the idea that we could have GCSEs in empathy and kindness. When you're feeling out of your depth in the classroom, dyslexia really can feel far away from a superpower. But if we can find every child's diamond, nurture it and shine it bright, their passion, coupled with all the brilliant ways that a dyslexic mind works, will see them fly. As we enter into the new iteration of lockdown, talk of six months of restrictions and I heard for the first time this week discussion over the fact that we should be preparing to live with COVID for the foreseeable future. It can make us, us founders, want to retreat, to play it safe and make small moves and scale back plans. But I urge you to resist. Of course, we need to be mindful of cash and planning, but you are the fuel of your business. You are the fire in its belly and your business will only grow as much as you nurture it. Yes, it all feels scary for sure. But now is the moment for small to shine. Consumers want to shop with independent British brands more than ever. So seize it. Now is the time to dream the biggest dreams, consider bold changes and plot the course to get you there. When you have weathered this storm and you reflect back, it will have been because you were brave in times of uncertainty that will ultimately secure your success in the future. I suppose what I'm really trying to say is go for it. Go for it big. Throw caution and everything else out the window and just give your ideas and courage all the oomph you can. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and so sorry for my voice and cold. Next week, I plan to be better and I'll be welcoming Anna Hill from WW. That's Weight Watchers Reimagined and Marissa, founder of Masoma. And on Monday, our guest on Conversations of Inspiration will be Chris Hallinger, founder of Copperfield. I cry nearly every week, but honestly, the letter she is so brave to share with us on Monday's episode will stay with me forever. Podcasts are such a solitary thing to create and put out into the world, but I read every review and I can't tell you how much it means to know that this podcast, these podcasts really are helping you on your journey. I hope you don't mind my weekly ask, but it really does make a huge difference if you can share this podcast, if you can rate it or you can review it. We want to keep bringing you incredible founders, so we would love you to spread the word and help us keep ranking in the charts. Thanking you so very much in advance. I'd like to take this opportunity to say thank you, Del, for helping us bring this free podcast to life. 
And if you want to hear all about the latest experts joining me, follow me on Instagram at Holly Tucker and sign up to my weekly email or head to holly.co to find out more. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to grin your frown You will find that all the things that I have said Will come true when you are lying in 